This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings all. Thanks for joining me for yet another installment of the show. I appreciate it. I've got a conversation with Stig Peterson from the outfit Disneyland After Dark, which is stylized as DAD these days. Well, it has been for a while, but anyway. The point is I've got a conversation with bassist Stig from the group to share with you. Now, the catalyst for the chat is due to the impending tour by the group of Australia. Selected cities throughout late November 2022. So the very few Australian listeners that I've got, if you want to check out one of the finest melodic rock bands ever, now's your chance. They are that good. And you'll hear why in the moment I have selected a tune for your listening pleasure. Which one? Sleeping My Day Away is the name of this tune here. Once it's done, we'll cut to the chat. Let's go.
Close dig, Andrew Mackay Smith calling for our chat from Australia. How are you? Hello, Andrew. I'm very good. And you? I'm doing very well, mate. Yeah, it's been a very pleasant evening so far. So I imagine it's the mid- middle of the day for you or beginning of the day. It's the beginning of the day, yes. I have one foot in the studio. We are we're actually going to um, record some more today and... Um, and um, I think uh, we'll have a, an album out next year. So it's going to be really exciting. Uh, and, and the time is what? Uh, it, it's half past nine or something at yep. your place? Half past eight. Yep. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm an hour behind everybody else, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's close okay. enough. <laughs> close oh, you enough. have the time difference. Aha, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah we shouldn't. It's a big it's, country. Yeah, we, we the, the issue for us is daylight saving in Queensland, the state I'm in. We don't do daylight saving and it's ridiculous. We should. But uh, that's a political conversation okay. for another day. <laughs> so, so they never did? Never did. No, it was a regional thing. You had a lot of people who worked on the land back in the day and they complained that their day would be significantly altered and they'd have to get up too early and... All this bullshit, but um, mate, hardly anybody works on the. I mean, how many people work uh-huh. on the land these days? We all live in cities these days, as you know. So it's 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 yeah. a redundant argument. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's uh, it's great to hear that you guys are coming down. I understand it's the first tour to Australia in thirty two years. In thirty two years, wow! Yeah, we we, we were. Um, we were having like a farewell reception at the Australian Embassy because the uh, the, um, the very 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 kind lady who's uh, from Australia, the, the Australian ambassador, she wanted to say hello and goodbye to us. So we were like really honoured. We felt like, what's going on here? Mm. That's fantastic, yeah. yeah. Well, Australia was one of the first places to embrace the band outside of Denmark. So are you still getting a lot of mail and attention from Australian fans? Uh, actually, uh, there are one or two comments, uh, you know, every time we, uh, uh, you know, uh, post something on the Hmm. On our on, on our Instagram or, or whatever, yep. um, and that's uh, heartwarming. So uh, so there's definitely uh, some interest, and uh, and we're super excited about uh, going so far away after all these years. Uh, that's uh, that, that's a really good situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing yeah. is. No fuel left for the Pilgrims from, I think it's 1989, that album. That struck a chord with yeah. Australian audiences and it didn't It didn't chart. I don't think it, I think it charted in the US, but the point is it, it, the highest place that it charted was in Australia in an era where rock was, it could actually do that. So why do you think that album yeah. in particular was so popular here? I think it was all down to promotion. No, uh, I don't know. I think it's um, melodic songs. We still play them live, and uh, they are like time tested. And um, and um, and and and, 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 and uh, if you if you take like an evening and listen to all the bands released around that period, uh, I think that that it, it definitely holds water, as we say. Mm-hmm. 
I tend to agree. It yeah. very different style, but you appeal to Australian audiences in the same way that the band Enough Is Enough did. Okay, so like people right. were liking a lot of the so-called hair rock bands or whatever you want to call them, but you guys and Enough's Enough had. You, I mean, you guys have got this Western flavour going through your music, like Badlands do, and I think that right. is one of the key reasons why Australians like you guys. Mm. And uh, luckily, we kept that uh, influence and the sound, yeah. the big, fat, and friendly guitar. Um, and we are—we uh, just changed the drummer. He, he has been with us for 20, 25 years. Mm, okay. Uh, the old the old drummer became an engineer, and um, uh, so when we were like raving around in the tour bus, he was like, "Shh, I'm reading. I'm trying to study here." <laughs> <laughs> so um, out he went, or, or he left him himself. But um, me and the brothers in the band, more or less. Uh, more or less like it's like like our what, what you call the call of life yeah. <laughs> where you feel that uh, you always wanted to do this so uh, that would be stupid to uh, to do something else uh, because it's what you always wanted and uh, has been working uh, towards that goal mm. and uh, and I think when 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 um, when grunge came and 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 hard rock was and rock rock was was uh, overnight <laughs> the, 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 yeah I remember um, yeah falling star then uh, then we just kept kept on going and um, stayed together and so we have we've been together in ups mm -hmm. and downs and, and and just made us more solid and um, we hardly ever argued but um, of course you know. Being together for almost 40 years is a bit of a struggle. You have to swallow some camels. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you've, <laughs> ra you've raised a yeah. couple of good points in there, and I'm going to bring up the last one you, you raised there, which is the 1990s. Now, I always love talking about this with established bands and musicians like yourself because for you guys in particular, you worked with a label called Medley throughout the 1990s. Now a lot yeah, of yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, an independent. Well, a lot of a lot of bands of your era, and you'll, you couldn't even get a label. Uh, you were thrown off labels, but you guys kept a label. So, was do you yeah. think do you think that label was important in keeping the band's legacy alive, or was it more about the work you guys were doing, touring and keeping the band in the in the uh, frame? I would say that that. Um the grunge thing and, and, and being dropped from Warner Bros. In, in, in the U.S., in the worldwide EU, that was, of course, uh, you know, a financial thing because they had a lot of bands and, and, and now everybody wanted want grunge. But, but in Scandinavia, we have had, had a good career going. So, so we weren't really, like, uh, we still played uh, big festivals in Scandinavia and Northern Germany, hmm. even though grunge came and even though we were sacked from Warner Bros. worldwide. So we just had to like build it up slowly again. So every time we, we played some big festival and, 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 and got some serious money, we invested them in going 
faraway places like for us Spain, for example. Yeah. Uh, so so now today we have a good career going in Portugal and Spain as well. Okay, you've raised another great point there that I want to talk about just quickly, but Scandinavia never lost the hope and Scandinavians were almost single-handedly responsible for spearheading the launch of rock and metal back into the mainstream at the end of the 90s and into the year 2000s. There are some other great bands like Cradle of Filth, of course, that that did their thing too, but by and large it was the Scandinavian bands like In Flames, Dark Tranquility, right. these sort of bands, you know where I'm yeah. headed, and the fans too. The fans have always been, Richie Blackmore famously said that, I think he, he only played the reunion shows in Scandinavia, if I'm not mistaken, that he did with Deep Purple. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I think that's what happens. So what, in your view, what, what is it about the Scandinavian fans and the audience that makes them so, um, so important for rock and metal? Well, oh, I haven't really, I haven't really uh, thought so much about it. But, 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 don't you think it's the same as when when Japanese people want to be rockabillies? They are rockabillies one hundred percent. You know, they they yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a lifestyle. You know, they go yeah. all that fucking way. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think it's you can compare it with. Um, we being up in a corner of the world and being kind of isolated and and then you just squeeze the the the, the very important drops out, out of something and and you just keep on um, purifying it you can yeah say. <laughs> no i hear you yeah, yeah. So, something else you mentioned earlier well i brought it up but you you've you it resonated, and that is that the band does have this lovely Western sound going on, and it's probably yeah. – I can't understand why other bands didn't lean into it a lot more. There are a couple of Australian bands that did it, but not many, really. You guys are pretty much the kings of doing that sort of stuff. So what was the significant influence that brought that sound into the band? I think it was like um, when 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 we all played in, in, in different punk bands in – in, 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 in 78, 79, and then the punk died out, and then it, it, the whole scene was like very depressing and, and terrible. Uh, people committed suicide, and your yeah. best friend was addicted to heroin and stuff like that. Then, then, then we thought we have to bring back the 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 joy of go, uh, attending a concert. So we we picked up on on. Um, country western together with punk and, and we played some cow punk in the very early days so mm. the first two albums is, is, is like in the cow punk style like gun club and rank and uh, rank and file and and, and, mm. and all those things and and then um when it wasn't fun anymore then uh, i think we, we kept that element and then turned towards more solid music so, so solid rock uh, like in the ACDC tradition and then the the fat guitar just stayed there and we're like wow this is this is something yeah it definitely is something it's great music right. for people who are on the fence about that sort of rock and roll in that Yes, you've got that. You've got the full-on Bon Jovi style rock music, ACDC style rock music happening. But a lot of people they want something else. They want something more, and you give it to them through the Western soul. Yeah, yeah, the, the melodic, uh, the melodic twist. Yeah, mm. 
Yeah. And and uh, and funny thing is that when we play like a, 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 a some festival, and then we we have uh, some songs from No Few Left from Pilgrim's album, and they are right beside uh, uh, songs from our latest album, and and it doesn't sound that far away. It sounds hmm. like you know they're from the same creators. So yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. now I'm a, I'm a bassist, so I always love talking to a bass guitarist from the perspective that I, I like trying to understand. Yeah, yeah. You know, your philosophy as a yeah. musician. So, you famously though do play two string bass guitars, and I think you might have been one of the first prominent people to do that. So, can you tell me why you why you ditched the two strings, the extra two strings, and you just went with the the two string bass? Well, it's because all the cool basses were, were all, always right-handed, and and I had terrible troubles with with the volume uh, knobs and uh, and and um, and the jack was like sticking out in the middle of, of the bass, so my arm couldn't fit around it. So when when I started to make some money, then I went directly to a guy who who builds in, in instruments, and um, and I had. And I had my first left-handed bass made, and then um, I thought I would add some some humor uh, into it. So, yeah. uh, so I had like a rocket made, and I had a an olive with a toothpick through it, and I had a, like a half a car and stuff like that. And it's the E and the A string, and uh, I actually learned just to um, just to uh, play on those two strings and. Yeah. Uh, it's actually also what I record with, uh, so it's just become oh, wow. become a part a part of everything. <laughs> mm. Yeah. What about? Have you ever found a need for the B string? So, say with a five string bass, it goes down. I understand the top two strings uh, might not necessarily. I think. Uh, yeah, I think I, I I played a bit with 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 some ideas uh, while we were recording the black album called Help Yourself Fish. That, that was a very uh, that was a very dark uh, rockish album um, yeah. and I think I, I, I tuned my I, I, I tuned the bass down and, 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 and I actually had this, this big uh, five string bass and uh, it was terrible back to the two string yeah I bet I, c- I couldn't imagine going from two strings to five strings it, it just changes the dynamic enormously and unless you're a bassist you wouldn't understand it but you do because you are a bassist <laughs> yeah 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 what's your what's your favorite album from the band uh, the that would be the album when uh, when Laos the new drama uh, came on board Um Simpatico or uh, Everything Glows? Everything Glows. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I have yep. a memory, memory loss. Uh, because there's some beautiful stuff on it. Uh, and when uh, Peter, the old drummer, left because he wanted to be a, become an engineer, then, uh, then you know, we were like, well, should we quit as well? You know, because uh, we were dumped from Warner Bros. And we were just sitting here in Copenhagen thinking, What's what's uh, what's the meaning? Hmm. So um, so we just uh, started to just me and Jesper, uh, the singer, uh, we were sitting in in my living room and just playing together, and then his brother Jacob, uh, and so the three of us 
actually just sat around and composed, and then we found the drummer, and then uh, we, we got going again. So, so, so that was like a a very uh, you know uh, a, uh, a very um, unstable time, but mm-hmm. but at the same time uh, the resurrection, and and we got back together, and uh, I think there's some really fine songs on that album. I, I wrote a lyric here because my father passed away. Mm-hmm. It's called Something Good. And, and I think it's got that, uh, the Everly Brothers, I love them. Okay. <laughs> so it has the, the same, the, the, that Everly Brothers feel, feeling, uh, you know, it's a 50s feeling, but 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 in a new song, uh, it's called Everything. No, no, it's called Something Good, yeah. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'll check it out after this. I haven't heard that song. Yeah, okay, I'll I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, what what about uh, the name of the band? Of course. Okay. Now, for people, I do host a podcast, so I'll broad this on broadcast this on my broadcast it on my podcast. But the band's name originally was Disneyland After Dark. Did Disney, the corporation, did they threaten to sue you guys, or can you tell me the story about why you had to change the band? As I say, I know it's out there and it's probably old news, but a lot of younger people and people who might not be familiar with the band will be listening. No, uh, I think that um, in the ruins of, of punk where uh, people just had like three-letter names, then uh, it was uh, very much in fashion to have long names. <laughs> so yeah. um, I think that's one reason. And, and, and we were like, okay, Disneyland is, is the light and gay and happy uh, <laughs> side of it. And after dark, it's like, oh my God, what's, what, what, what goes on the amusement park after dark? So we thought it was a really uh, funny name and nice, good name. But then it started to uh, become more and more popular and, and we played in America and and and, uh, and then I think they found out about us because it was before internet. So they must have seen some poster somewhere. And they wrote some letters that if we didn't stop immediately, then they would sue, sue us and it, 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 it wouldn't be nice. It, it, it would be really ugly. We had to pay them so much money. So um, we stopped immediately and um, and shortened it down to DAD. And, and, and that was, of course, uh, like losing your identity. And people thought that the name was dad, like father, and you, you don't want to band called that so yeah. that was really um, in, in the beginning it, it was um, a bit difficult it, it was really bad but um, we learned to live with it and uh, the, the name is DAD and hardcore fans knows that it stands for this and after dark that's uh, yeah, yeah. Story. well there was there was the yeah. uh, there was uh, the rumour that it was Danish and dangerous which I quite like that was cool that went around for a while. But <laughs> I think that was an Australian invention. <laughs> I liked it though. It it sort of fits you guys in some ways, given the Western sound and the heart, you know, the the punk roots you guys have got. So, I'll. Uh, I think I saw I, I saw like a, a a record shop and it said "Death and Danish" because oh. it was like right after the grunge thing happened. <laughs> Dead and Danish, all right, yeah. That'd actually be a good band yeah. name too. But you couldn't come from Denmark and be called that. Day. It'd, be, it'd have to be from Australia or Canada or something like that because, it, you know, it only makes sense then, yeah. yeah. Stig, I'll ask, right. you, I'll ask you one more question if that's okay. Can I, can I ask one more? I've got time yeah. for one. Yeah. The show yeah, that yeah. you... 
you're bringing down to Australia, will it be unique or is it fairly similar to the shows that you play uh, across Europe? Well, we actually had a job uh, in, in Spain together with Kiss and Judas Priest and normally we would just fly down there with two guitars but we took a big truck and we drove down our own equipment and our own show uh, gadgets and st- uh, stage uh, show uh, all kinds of stuff going on uh, and that we, we actually uh, thought that that was the way to do it and then uh, come home without any money. Yeah. Uh, just spend them on, on, on the whole show and the whole trip. But unfortunately, uh, it, it's only possible to, to fly down to Australia, rent some backline yeah. and bring one or two uh, bases uh, to guitars. So I must say that we will do our best, uh, but, um, but, but you... Um, You'll have to wait a couple of more years to get the full package. I think we appreciate that that the bands come down with a more stripped down set. To be quite honest with you, I spoke <laughs> to well, I spoke to Eric Danielson from Watain about this because uh, they're known for these very ornate, fiery stage shows. And when they came to Australia, yeah. they were talking about bringing their Ramones set. So it was just bang, just fall to the floor. And I reckon we're going to get the same thing from you guys. So uh, I'll try and be in the audience for this one, mate. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Super. Nice. No worries. Well, Stig, it's been a tr- it's been great having a chat to you. Uh, thanks for being cool. And uh, good luck with everything. And hopefully we'll see you down here soon. Yeah. All right. See you. Um, thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Stig. Cheers, mate. Bye. Well, there he is. What a nice fella. Stig Peterson from the outfit DAD. Hope you enjoyed that one. Incidentally, there are four Australian dates in November. If you hear this before the 17th and you live in Brisbane, well, might as well go along to the show. I'm going to try because I'm actually a little bit curious. Uh, They're playing at the zoo. Haven't been to the zoo in a while either, so might as well go along and check out that one there if I can. The next day, the 18th, Sydney, the Manning Bar. The 19th, they're at Max Watts in Melbourne, and the final date of the tour is in Perth at the Rosemount Hotel on the 22nd of November. Before I let you go, though, please do stick around as I've got some messages around a book that I've just written, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. I'd appreciate it if you could listen to it. Otherwise, it's peace, and until next time, it's a very goodbye for now. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. It just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. 
Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the, the fans and the staying power of the I, of the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silenos from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If, uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, 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 just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he was, he was very, you know, very open-minded and, and he was into having his, his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for, for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five and Manson gave me that name and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.